podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. Well, they walked into Madrid with hope in their hearts, and they'll walk away with the greatest prize in club football. Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool's King to the Cop are champions of Europe once again. Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Copper and Fracker, part of the Touchline Fracker network. Um, I'm joined today to talk about everything Liverpool versus Spurs. I don't think we're, don't think we're going to talk about the uh, old League Cup game that we've got tomorrow against a certain other North London team because it's a bit small fry behaviour. So joining me today to talk about everything we can review about Liverpool, I have Fahi. Yeah, what's going on? All good, mate. All good. I have the Chief, Ellis. What's going on? Oh, good, mate. And I'm also joined by Abdul. What's what's going on, guys? How's it going? Good to have you here, mate. Good to have you here. And uh, big man, are you going to introduce yourself? Oh, <laughs> and I am, and I am Christian. I was trying kind of get trying to keep the timing down that much. Like I forgot to even introduce myself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's um, start off weekend game against Totspur. Uh, Totspur. Um, so yeah, goal down within a minute. Not the the most ideal start, but I don't know about you guys. I didn't really feel down or that we were never in doubt of losing the game. I mean, A, Spurs aren't the greatest team in the world. B, our home record is something else. I mean, that stat that came up on Sky Sports that we haven't lost a game whenever we've got a goal down at Anfield in X amount of games, which is just absolutely astonishing. So let's let's start and talk about the game in general. Fahi, I'll let you I'll let you lead on this. How do you feel like that we performed in the in the entirety of the ninety minutes? Uh, what do you think the positives were, and what do you think the negatives were? Yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, I would say overall I was really happy with that performance, um, but that also may be masked by the fact that I really enjoyed watching that match. So this season, I think Abdul said similar before that like, I've not really enjoyed watching us mm-hmm. like. They've not been the best performances. It's it's just been like hitting hopes straight to the wing and then cross it in and then shoot. Like it, it's been quite basic type of football. But I think on Sunday we saw a different level and like the level that we're used to with this club. And like we know what this team can do. They've just not been performing in that way. Um, and yeah, it just felt like on Sunday we we're finally seeing like what Liverpool should be playing, like how they should be playing. And um, yeah, like at no point was I scared with like losing to Spurs. Even when they scored within a minute, I just kind of laughed it off. A bit like, you know, like in 2013-14 when we'd be like 2-0 down to Hull and we'd just laugh and be like, oh, we're going to score like four later on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a bit like that. I, w- I was kind of like, yeah, it's fine. We've got enough time. Um, we'll score and we'll probably win the match. So yeah, overall, I was really happy with the performance. Um, in terms of... 
In terms of like best performers, Fabinho was obviously great. Um, everyone has been praising him. Mane, without him and his like desire, we wouldn't have got that penalty. So um, they they were the two key performers for me. I think um, I completely agree about two key performers in that game. Um, I think a uh, bit of a shout out needs to go to Allison as well. Um, you know, a few of the saves he made, and I thought his distribution on the day was absolutely superb. Um, kind of like obviously went unheralded from how the rest of the game went, but no, I mean. I think that probably was our best performance of the season. It's probably the performance I've enjoyed the most as well because on any other day, um, when Gazaniga's not making, what was it, 12, 13 saves for the across the entirety of the game, he'll never have a game like that again in his in his, in his life. Um, any other day, that is a, that's a 4-1 win. Uh, but yeah, uh, L, how about you? How did you feel the game went at the weekend? Yeah, I think um, I'd like to echo... Fahi's thoughts in regards to the game. I remember down one nil. I was kind of pissed off because it was such a sloppy goal to concede. Um, Hendo losing the ball in midfield, allowing Sissoko to just waltz, waltz past our midfield, and also um, was too flat-footed in defence. So obviously Van Dyke didn't didn't really look around and see where it came was. So I was a bit pissed off with the manner of goal. Um, I was a bit confident I knew we were going to come back and we haven't lost at home for like, what, 45 games or something like that? Something insane. So I was a bit, I was confident there. Um, it took us a little while to get going because obviously on right, so you'd be a bit shell-shocked from conceding such an early goal. But yeah, to be fair, overall, I was actually happy with the performance and um, I was happy happy about how we came back and we showed a bit of, uh, a bit of character and we just carried on playing our game. Um, after th- after 20 minutes when we did start to turn the screw the crowd really started to turn up and um, it just we just made the stadium too small for Spurs you can see them like, physically dropping back dropping back trying to defend their, their lead uh, I think they were lucky to go in without conceding at half time second half come out second half we came out started again just absolutely turning them over so I did enjoy the performance. I think I was up there with the Burnley performance of this season. I think I said that on the main pod because of just the way we played. Uh, standout power performance for me was Fabinho. I think he was just immense in the midfield. He really, really bossed it defensively and attacking-wise. He was really, really good. Um, again, Mane, uh, he was a good driver with the ball for us. He was very dangerous. Um, Alisson. When you got a keeper like Alisson who... I think uh, towards the end, Tottenham had two chances. Someone had a header towards the end. And him holding the ball, it really does something for me. It really makes me confident. Because like, some keepers will try and flap at it. Or, but just him getting the ball in and just calming everyone down, it really really makes me happy, to be fair. Oh, bless you. I know, man. <laughs> I know. It makes, me, it, it makes me happy, bro. When you got when you got a keeper like that who's just so confident and he brings, bro, man, it's mad, man. Like we've not felt like that in years. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's Honestly. why it's crazy. Like 90 minutes and someone's flicks a header on you're like you're shook, you're scared because you don't know what's gonna happen. But when he just he picks up the ball, holds it on, he's firm with it. So yeah, him, yeah, him, uh, Mane and Fabinho really really stood out for me. It was, yeah, it was a right performance to be fair, man. Three points, you can't ask for much more. No, I completely agree. I think there's something kind of with, with that performance as well. Um, I think it stems. It, it all stems back from that loss the Spurs gave us in 17-18 where I think Klopp treats Spurs with a bit more respect than he does most other teams. Um, obviously, we know he gives kind of like the ultimate respect to United and Everton when he probably really yeah. should, when he probably really should. But yeah. I think he always games he always game plans for Spurs, and I think he respects them a lot more than, than other teams. Uh, Abdul, how about you, mate? How do you feel the the game went? Who were your kind of standout performers from that? Nah, um, yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. Firstly, I was at work, so I I had my laptop with me, so I kind of watched the game, but I kind of didn't, so I didn't see most of it. But um, I'm gonna just echo exactly what Fahi said. Like, obviously, after that first goal, we just turned it on. One of our best performances this season by your guys' accounts. Um, I can't wait to watch it back properly. But out of the corner of my eye, I did see a lot of the stuff that I like from Liverpool, you know, where we're just totally dominant. It's like we're in the other other team's head. They just can't win any challenges. 
They can't get near us. We already know what pass we're going to make before we even get to the position. It's really, really good stuff. Um, on Allison, uh, everything that you guys said about, you know, just the confidence it gives fans just watching him back. Like, he's come back from an injury, which is like one of his first big injuries in a long time. And he's not even looked, he's not given us anything to worry about. Like, he's not looked like he's going to get injured again. We haven't had any heart attacks. He's just walked straight back into the team. Such a massive signing for us. Um, Fabinho, top, like, worth every single penny. What a player. Um, not just defensively, as you guys said, but, like, offensively, the way that he can pass balls through the lines. It's a lot of the stuff that we didn't get with Henderson when he was playing at six, which we've now suddenly gained, having Fabinho at six, plus the defensive stuff. So, such a great player for our evolution as a team. Um Mane keeps going on from strength to strength. And he's now getting a lot of PR buzz as well from people in the media just saying like, oh yeah, Mane should be this, should be this. So I hope he turns that confidence into more goals and other top performances. Um, but back on that Spurs point where I just came in, um, when Klopp first came in, he used to talk a lot about, because um, when we weren't getting the results in the beginning of Klopp's days, he used to talk a lot about how Pochettino was a, was um, given the time to develop his team. So he does have a lot of respect for Spurs. Um, but I don't know if it's really that worth it anymore because they're a bit of a dead team, to be honest. But no, um, can't disrespect them like that. But yeah, I'm very gassed. No, definitely disrespect them like that because I kind of feel the same way. They're, <laughs> they're in like a really weird halfway house where... Rob, they're massive bottlers, man. Like, <laughs> No, they are. Like, it, like They've got great players. That they, they had a great team, but I think they've yeah. um, kind of saturated in a sense. Like, they've kind yeah. of... Yeah, they've gone sour now. Yeah, they're at, they're at the end of their cycle, really. Honestly, yeah. So many um, players need to go. Toby yeah. needs to go. Vertonghen needs to go. Ericsson needs to go. Like Exactly. And, and having said that, those three players are like, what, 28, 29 now? Some are 30 reaching, plus. Yeah, some are 30 plus, yeah. so... I think their time now is like they're looking to just finish their career with one other big contract away from Spurs. So um, I think if you look at the team that played played us, they, these two years ago, these were let's say top oh, three mate, teams in England. Were, you know I'm saying that that team that turned us over a few years ago, they were must yeah. yeah, yeah, they were, they were an absolutely fantastic team. But now you go through the whole team. Danny Rose wants to leave. Um, again, we said Vertonghen wants to leave. Ericsson didn't really look interested. Deli Ali's out of sorts. Toby um, wants to leave. Toby wants to leave. Um, Loris is he probably wants to leave as well. Pochettino the... wants to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Pochettino wants to leave. So really truly, really, really, right now they're at, at a crossroads and um I think Daniel Levy's probably scratching his head as to does he stick or twist. And if I was him, I'd probably just twist and start another evolution again. That, that's that's a massive problem for them to have though isn't it it's like you, you've got the same bunch of players that have been hearing the exact same message from the same manager for like what four or five years now exactly exactly yeah and it does it does get old and you know when you consistently it's it sounds it sounds harsh but it's 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 a true it's a reality it's very spursy when you bottle every single opportunity you get kind of when you're competing for a major trophy you know whether that be in the league when they bottled it a few times and in the Champions League just just gone past when you don't when you keep clawing and fighting your ways to get into these situations and then falling at the last hurdle it's got to that absolutely has to kill the morale and obviously whatever message the manager's sending um, but yeah and you know what's funny like I can kind of echo that sentiment to us in the yep. future so like next season I feel like we need to switch some stuff up as well because there's going to yeah. be like a group of players that have played together for like three four years yeah do you get what I mean? And yeah. at some point you need to freshen it up. So the, so the front three, for example, Mane and Firmino are going to be playing together for the fourth season, like next season together. Yeah, yeah. Salah will be on his third. Someone will need to check, like switch it up somewhere. Um, like even midfield, you've got Ginny, Hendo, like Milner, Milner as well, but obviously he's kind of a peripheral player now. They've been there for three, four seasons. So it's always good to have like players that have been there a while, but you mm-hmm. also do need to switch it up. You can't just rely on the same guys over and over again. Of course, of course, I agree with that. I agree with that. I always, I always believe it's right after every three seasons to switch it up. Not wholesale changes, but like a couple people here and there. Within Bring the them in, slowly yeah, bed them in. That's right. And change it, freshen up, because these are new players, so the old guard can 
take a you know take a step back yeah. and allow for the new guy to take over and it, it's good for the team so now we have a new team coming forward um a new revolution starting and it, it bodes well for the future that's why I was quite okay with us not really bringing anyone in in the summer it's the same group of players who who know the same same who know the same message that man's just trying to put over um, obviously when you get so close to winning the league last season you really should go again with the same group of players that you know are capable of getting to that point um, agree. and obviously completely agree with what you said Fahi about kind of refreshing it next year um, I probably think we'll need to bring in what what would you say probably five new players Five, five's a lot. Yeah, five's a lot, yeah. I'm just thinking if, if obviously we've got a lot of players leaving on freeze, um, mm-hmm. and I think certain players will, you know, like the Dejan Lovren's of the squad, maybe Origi, some Lallana. Player, Lallana, uh players like that, they'll kind of like, you know, obviously even peripheral players like Nathaniel Klein, who no one's thought about since he actually got yeah. injured. You know, just yeah. kind of like little things like that that you either bring in players from the academy where we've got some decent players that we could bring in, you know, uh, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, Brewster, blah blah blah, get them more integrated. But um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of a crossroad to see what we do there. But I mean, we we all know what we're going to go for in some Mbappe twenty twenty. So damn um, <laughs> <Yeah>, right, <laughs> Abdul. What do you think about that? Do you think we're signing someone big next summer? Alright, so I've, I've always wanted us to like refresh the attack because like you guys have said, Mane, Firmino, Salah, they've been here for a couple of seasons. It just feels like one of them might want to go somewhere if we don't win anything. If we don't win a Premier League this year, I can easily see one of Salah or Mane just going up to Real Madrid because, you know, they've been here for a few years. What, what more can they do? Um, but yeah, I want an attacker who's got a different profile. Someone like a Sancho who's like really quick and can get good crosses in. Or yeah, and back who's really quick. And can score right, but goals. do you think the do you think it's feasible? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's it's like comes down to firstly, do we have the funds? Because Liverpool have saved a lot of money these last few summers. You know, we could have spent a lot of money this summer. We decided not to. Massive Champions League revenue. So firstly, do we have the funds to make a signing back and back? Secondly, does he fit into the squad? Um, but honestly, I don't know. It doesn't really... It would be sick if it happened. But if it didn't happen, I, could, I still think we'd be just as successful. But I'd like to see it happen. But I don't know. I always think the Sancho point's a really good one because I think it, it was Klopp who, who openly said that they, they tracked him for, for a long while while he, was a, while he was a City and they knew that they were never going to have a chance to actually get him when he wanted to leave. Um, so it's, it's just interesting tidbits like that, always, I always think. Quite, mm. quite interesting. What, what do you think, big one? Uh, I, I do think we're going to sign someone big next summer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be Mbappe, but it, it's funny to play along, isn't it? Like we may as well speak it into existence. But I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I genuinely can see a Sancho. I said it in like one of the first pods that we did together. Mm-hmm. Um, that I can see a Sancho in the summer. But um, I guess it also depends on the price because we're not going to pay over the odds. So the deal needs to make sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, it goes into kind of like ethic as well, you know, signing that big signing for like 200 million kind of would destabilise the squad, I feel. So maybe he consider that. Who knows? I, I saw a report saying um, Liverpool are looking to bid about 80 million, giving about 180 grand a week. Which is, which, which is fair. Yeah, something, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I wouldn't really mind. Uh, Sancho, I do like. He's very, very creative. He's very attack-minded. Very quick. Fits the profile of what we need. Um, he's what right? He's right-footed, really? He's right-footed, isn't it? Or is he left-footed? Uh, both of them. Right-footed. Yeah, right-footed. So, so you can see him coming in from the left. And he's the type of player that we, we will like on the left. And a, a creative midfielder who likes to come in centrally, and Fred Fru- Fred Freebrals in. So I think this, yeah, the profile's right there. But I'm I'm here for Mbappe 2020. To be fair, I'm all in. I'm all in on 2020. <laughs> the, thing, the thing I love about Mbappe is like, don't get me wrong, I love Firmino. I love what he brings to the team, and yeah, he's totally unique. But I don't think he scores enough goals. Um, True. 
Uh, I feel like a lot of his game is distracted by trying to link up our midfield and help them. So he, he doesn't have that hunger for goals that like a Suarez has or an Aguero has. So if we did get someone like Mbappe, he's got that hunger for goals and he can play football. So I'd be very much down for that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think if he was to get Mbappe, then we'll, I think we'll change our structure. I can't believe this Mbappe conversation has lasted more than five minutes. Oh my god! This We're at is elite mental. level, fam. We're at elite level. Now. But like, <laughs> let's say, let's say we get someone in the in the mold of him, but a quick striker, a quick forward, um, who's ruthless in front of goal. I think our, our structure will change. So instead of having three um, solid number eights who are good defensively, we'll probably have two eights and a attacking eight who's going to go forward and link the play between attacks so that will change instead of Firmino dropping back you have someone from midfield f- uh, supporting the attack so which will also be good because that will that will um, change the way we play and for the evolution of the team which what's funny is you lot are wanting him back but we're going to probably get Timo Werner on a free <laughs> like oh did that yeah, that came back up today yeah. didn't it honestly yeah. like that's probably going to be the deal man <laughs> I thought you signed a new contract no no Oh, he didn't sign. I'm no, sure he no. didn't sign one. No, apparently. I, I feel like he did. I feel like he did sign like a really paltry one though, like really insignificant contract where everyone was like, "Oh yeah, he's just angling for a move." But I don't know. Let's Google it. But some other point. Yeah, I have to double check that because I, I I remember him being in discussions for a new contract, but I, 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 I've never, I'm never sold on this guy, you know. I think. Yeah, the, I'm not sold on him either. I think it's the appeal that he can cover two or three positions. But that whole thing about him having that weird kind of like ear infection thing. Where oh, he... he has a low release clause, by the way. 30 million euros. Oh, is it? That's what it is. So he signed a new contract, but in the contract, he made sure to put a 30 million euro release clause. It's a bit dirty, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's nasty, what, man. What, what, doesn't it feel weird? Because like, he bangs goals. Like I know it's Bundesliga, but still, what's going on there? That like they're, they're just letting him go for that cheap. Lord knows. It's probably just Lord so that would. it's probably just so they don't lose into Bayern more than anything. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh well, we'll see. We'll see. Who else? Um, who else apart from Werner and Bat? Who would fit that kind of profile of a striker who Liverpool could take? This is this is a problem. I think I don't think there's that many top level strikers across Europe. That, that, no, you're not lying. You're you're genuinely not lying. Like, yeah, they're not in that uh, kind other, of. Other than the ones yeah. that are at the big clubs already. And I, I always think with uh, with, with our, our transfers as well, they have to fit that certain age age bracket too. So you want someone who's going to be, you know, either uh, you know twenty to twenty four. You want someone in that with range. Resell value. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's why I think, and as much as you know, we you know, like to joke about it and sometimes take it semi seriously. That's why I think Mbappe, Mbappe does kind of fit that mold. But it is just it, that's a mad situation in itself. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that there is a genuine shortage of elite strikers in Europe who would be available and who are on the right side of 30 um, that's its own conversation itself but back to the back to the actual game um, I want to talk a bit, bit, bit more about Fabinho and how he's kind of evolved from um, someone who people were saying was and the next Bakayoko, uh, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to fill that one in. Um, oh, I mean, at, at the weekend, at the weekend, just 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 really stashed defensively, three interceptions and eleven eleven ball recoveries. This guy has this kind of completely revolutionised, like Abdul said, how we operate in the midfield, and it's. You know, obviously, we know Klopp does like to play it safe with you know Ginny and Hendo. I don't think it was the worst decision to do that at the weekend, um, especially when you have a midfield like Spurs, which is not too indifferent to our own. Um, well, you know, both got kind of overly hyped English midfielders in there. Um, <laughs> kind of got someone who we like to kind of like take a bit more charge on the ball. So, so yes, yeah, Fabino and how he's evolved our midfield. Ellis, I'll let you start with this. From a guy, yeah. who, from a guy who we thought, you know, we were all hyped when we got him. I mean, the transfer was like what forty-five mil, which is small mm. change these days. Yeah, just the effect he's had on our team. I mean, I know, I know you're a big fan, so I'll, I'll let you carry on. I am. Do you know? What um, I was talking with the Touchland boys earlier in the week or yesterday, 
And um, when he first came, we was asked to rank Torreira, Jorginho, Fabinho, and I had him last behind Torreira and Jorginho mm. just because of the way he started last season. And obviously, you had to get... Wait, the... it, was that at the start of this season you did that? No, no, that was the start of last season. Oh, thank God. It's different. No, no, no. Yeah. Start of last season. And so, um, obviously, I've ranked him below Torreira and Jorginho because of the way he started and I wasn't too sure. But then he adapted and... I think for the best part of what a year now, he has been top class. He has never put a foot wrong. I think his name is first on the team sheet. Um, even well, him and Van Dijk, first names on the team sheet. And um, if he doesn't play, there's if he doesn't play, we don't play. To be fair, and it was showed against when we played Man City when he um, didn't start at at the Etihad. Yeah, and he, and we we was okay that game, but then when he's come on, he started actually, pinging it about. You know what I mean? And we started moving the ball a bit better. Mm. So um, yeah, and on Sunday I was just really impressed with how we dominated that midfield because he was playing against Sissoko. Sorry, excuse me. Who was who is very very um, he's a very physically imposing figure. He's strong. He's quick. Um, so. Having to play against that when you've got Gini on one side, Hendo on one side, also you've got a lot of you've got a lot of work to do. Not to take it away from both of them because second half they they played a bit better, but he him personally, I think um, he's someone that makes our midfield tick, and it's and it's surprising because he's coming as a defensive midfielder, but he's also like our playmaker. What he's playing, <laughs> he's playing. it's weird because he was playing like that on Sunday. He was playing like that on Sunday, so all those quick balls out to the right hand side to Trent. All the quick balls to the left-hand side to uh, Robertson, he was finding them. And also, he, he fizzes it in into the box. So, he, he's like, more than what you really ask for, man. I think he's brilliant. He, and um, I know we don't really listen to Joe in the group, but Joe actually did make a good point. He does need another person in there with a bit of quality. Yeah, he can't do it all himself. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, can't, yeah, he can't. He needs someone in there. Probably like in a mould of uh, yesteryear, Xabi Alonso, who can take away the the playmaking aspect from him, from him, and he can just do the defensive work, get there, win the ball back, give it up quickly because he's very good at that and that's what he does well. But yeah, Sunday he was a boss man. He's like a, he's a general man. Yeah, he does. That's one of the things I'm really impressed with him. He, he spreads the ball out so well. I mean, those little dink balls he can play over the top to no. one of the front three is unreal. And the way he kind of like just kind of. He's a bit of a catalyst for the player as well. So he gets obviously, like you said, he gets the ball out to Robinson fairly quickly. The way he was getting the ball out to Trent at the weekend was, was, was oh. something else. Um, but uh, that's a really good point you made that he kind of does need someone to kind of. He does sit there and he, he quarterbacks a lot of the play, but I feel like he needs yeah. someone else to kind of. And you know, I, this this player probably is already in our squad, and his name is Nabi Kaya, but he probably Maybe. needs yeah. Yep. 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 He needs someone to be more of that, more of that. Midfield battery. Um, Abdul, how do you feel about that? Literally that. I wanted to interrupt Alistair Ban and just say, Nabi, Nabi, it's Nabi. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it's like me, we can't have then. But, um, nah, legit. Um, a lot of people, when Nabi came, it was like, oh, he's this attacking midfielder. And then other people were like, oh, he's a defensive midfielder like Kante. And then it's just like, nah. He's just a really good midfielder. He can do both the jobs. But like, when you watch him play, he's got that intelligence about him where he can like, he can come deep and he can recycle the ball in a way that makes the team flow forwards and attack. So it's really much. I think he's. I think he's a playmaker that we need next to Fabinho. But again, he's still getting his legs. Um, obviously, the good performance against Genk, but still hasn't convinced Klopp. So. What we can do is cross our fingers and he can just hit that form. But Fabinho next to Naby, that is one hell of a midfield when we get that right. I think that would be the one to do, Fahi. And feel free to interject here, mate. But I think that would be the one for if we do go back to a 4 2 3 1. That would be mm. kind of my ideal midfield two partnership. Yeah, no. Um... Fabinho prefers playing in a 4-2-3-1 anyway. That's what he's used to. All right, I'm not going to say prefers because I, I can't speak for him, but he's used <laughs> to playing in a 4-2-3-1. Um, we all know that Klopp has a history of playing 4-2-3-1 and it is something that he has wanted to get going with the team. Um, but due to injuries and stuff, he's not been able to implement it as well as he would have liked to. 
Um, even if it's not as like a our main formation, like it, it'd be good to switch it up to a four-two-three-one sometimes. But I think now that everyone is back, Ox is back, um, Kay is back, we're gonna start seeing that come into play a bit more. Um, so when we get on with the season, so from January onwards, I think we're gonna start seeing it a bit more. Firmino probably going a little bit deeper. Salah probably playing up front. There's so many different ways of doing it. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and I, I'd prefer him in a four-two-three-one, and with a better midfielder next to him. So, someone that is more than happy to get the ball, retain possession, and, and like spray it about. Who is Kaya? So, um, yeah, let's wait and see. That is one of the more interesting aspects of Kaya's game for me as well. Um, his defensive prowess, because I think he's a little bit underrated in that department. Because um, yeah, in that Gank game, he was really kind of being a bit more. I don't, know what, I don't know what the word is, but he was getting to the ball a lot more, kind of disrupting, you know, gangs possession when they when they had it. Um, tenacious. That's the one. That's the word I'm looking for. Tenacious midfielder, uh, and that's something that we that we do lack. Whereas you know, all too often we say, you know, where is Gino and being in this game? Whereas I think the manager would, if we said that to the manager, he'd be like, oh, he did X, Y, and Z, which is not as visible. Um, so yeah, it's having a bit more proactivity in the midfield. Um, what I want you to do, everyone here, I want you to pick me a team for Villa this Saturday. Okay. Cool. Um, I'll go first. So, Alisson, Trent, um, Van Dijk. I want to bed in Gomez. Yeah. Um, Gomez needs to be bedded in before the City game. So, um, yeah, we'll get onto Lovren in a bit. But, yeah. So, Alisson in goal. Um, Trent, Van Dyke, Gomez, Robertson, obviously. In midfield, I'd go with Fabinho, Keita, and Wijnaldum. Um, and then up front, the usual three. It'd either be Keita or Ox, depending on the performance that happens on Wednesday. Um, I think it's a bit unfair on Ox not to start playing more games because he performed well against Genk, scored two goals and he got benched. Um, but yeah, either Cater or Ox against Villa. Um, yeah, that's who I'd go with. And the thing is, Cater from last season, he actually had quite a few good away performances. So Selhurst Park, he played well. Turf Moor, he played well. St. Mary's, he played well. So he, he's not bad at away like in away games either. So it, I think it's worth a shot. That's the bad thing about Naby as well. It's like, Two of his best performances came at like, two of the worst grounds you could go to. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. Turf Moor, especially where they're just a bunch of weird brutalizers. Uh, so, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, go on. I'll go Allison, Trent, Gomez, Van Dyke, Robertson. I'll go um, Fabinho, Genie, Ox, and the usual front three. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm more in the Ox camp than the Keita camp just because Ox has a better long pass. He's a bit of a... He's also called passing range is a bit a bit more than Naby in terms of he can do long passes and that's not really Naby's game. Naby's more intricate into mm-hmm. feet over like 20 yards, which is nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But sometimes if you want to spread it quickly and get it to the other side, I prefer that. That's just my opinion, and it's a bit more of a goal threat. Ox is more of a goal threat than Kato. It's a toss-up between either of them, obviously. But I'm more leaning towards Ox, and Ox just looks a bit more on it. Which is a weird thing to say, I know. But that's what I will lean towards. No, I get, I get where you're coming from. Uh, Abdul? Uh, yeah. Valid points by Ellis. Like, yeah, uh, Ox is definitely the more attacking-minded kind of... He, he used to be a winger, you know? Um, but I think I would probably... My ideal team would probably be exactly what Fahi said. But whether that's what Klopp puts out? Probably not. Um, I feel like he'll probably play Milner or some shit. Like, he'll throw in maybe Henderson because it's an away game. I don't know. Literally, who knows? I, I reckon Lovren probably plays as well. Um, just because I saw that hug with them in the tunnel afterwards <laughs> and it's just like oh for god's sake Jürgen mate just let it die let the bromance die but no I would love to see Alisson Trent Gomez Virgil Robbo Naby uh, Fabinho Gini um, normal front three that's what I like to see and the, the interesting pattern here is that none of you are giving Robertson a week's rest 
No, no, never. No, no. Robert Robertson, Robertson, Fabinho have to play every game. No, Robertson can he can drink some um, iron brew and and all no, that thing there. Um, he's all right. <laughs> I'd I'd thought that might be a game where he probably takes Robertson and says, okay. I'll put you on the bench with this one. If I need you, I'll use you. But put... then he's, he's, he's going to rest tomorrow anyway. So yeah, I, I know that. But I just think feel like he's because he played he's played obviously his internationals as well. I just feel like if you can give him rest in certain games, do it. Yeah, and no, I'll get you. Yeah, I think. Um, I think I'd also I think him. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I I definitely play Cater against Villa, um, mainly because I want Oxley Chamberlain to play against Man City. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But then again, but then again, the, the counter argument to that is, sorry, is have are we not bad boxing um, against Villa? So then he's more comfortable against City as well, yeah. rather than just planking him in randomly. No, true. I just think because he he'll, he'll obviously play tomorrow, hopefully anyway, and then obviously we've got the Genk game on the Tuesday. Oh, I forget we've got Champions League next week as well. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good way to keep the keep the rhythm going. Mm, true. Sorry, I'll cut you off a few times there, go on. No, yeah, no, sorry. I was just going to say, um, in regards to Reston Robertson, I think if you give him 60 against Villa, because I expect us to be comfortably tuning up by then. I don't know, man. It's a Saturday lunchtime game. Like, it's Saturday lunchtime, was it three o'clock? Uh, three o'clock. Mm, and I, it's an away game. It's an away. I don't think it's going to be as comfortable as you think. I don't know, man. Villa don't really look. I don't know. Let me not, let me not say that. They, looked, they looked competent for 40 minutes that City game. I'll yeah. give I'll give them that, but then straight after half time they just completely collapsed. They're a really weird team because their midfield's not too bad. Defensively, d- defensively that you can get at their wing backs. Um, obviously Wesley will be a bit of a handful, but I mean, well, the guy that has one leg shorter than the other, the guy that has one leg shorter than the other, has a keyboard. peg leg. <laughs> that is nuts, bro. I fourteen as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mental. Yeah, you gotta watch out for guys like that. Um, but I, mean, <laughs> I feel like we've dealt with kind of like big strikers who are just kind of waiting to try and overpower someone. Um, yeah. Fairly well yeah. this season. It's like you're playing Ashley Barnes again. Um, but yeah. Uh, up. No, nah, I've got off him now. He's not scored in like Thank God. 20 games. God. So. That was the weirdest, weirdest loving you had, <laughs> Ashley Barnes. <laughs> So He's different, weird. man. He's a plan B, bruv. Oh, get out of here, man. Guy's whack. <laughs> uh, I think he still scored more goals than certain players this season. I don't know. It was uh, The way he plays sometimes is actually fairly fairly good, but I mean, Burnley have just fell off recently, so who knows. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Wagwan for Dejan Lovren. Yeah, yeah, all right. Nah, nah, nah. All right, I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Right, let's go. I, I've been getting really pissed off. I hate our fan base, yeah? I I really don't like the way we like to pick and choose faults with players, right? Yeah. I think it's fucking ridiculous what we do sometimes. We, we have favourites, which is fair enough. You're always allowed a favourite. But we like to mask over what our favourites don't do. And then when the others that we don't like don't do them, we're going to just jump on that. So let me give you an example. Van Dyke has not been great this season. No one says anything ever. True. <laughs> yeah. No, no one, no one says anything. He got draped up by Rashford. No one said anything. Matip got draped up by Rashford. No one said anything. He he did not track his man for the Rashford goal. No one says anything. Lovren misses a few headers against Harry Kane, top three forwards in the world, and everyone is screaming about it. Yeah. With all that being said. People seem to forget that Lovren won the most aerial duels in the game. Yeah. He had the most ball recoveries in the game. And it's like, you guys are just looking at the most ridiculous points to make just to justify your reason to hate him. And it's, it, I, I completely listen. I, I'm going to rant about this because I completely get why people don't like him. I get it. Like he's cost us a lot of games, Yeah, but I, as a supporter and as a fan, I think there comes a time and a place where you have to be a bit objective and I don't think our fan base is like even with Henderson. Sometimes I'm the same. Like I'm, I'm being a hypocrite right now because I do the same with Henderson. But I'm, I'm happy to admit, it. like we need to be a bit fairer with some of these players, man. Because no, how can you listen, fine, Ellis? Fine, Ellis fine, fine, no, no, really. no, 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 Ellis. Okay. Today, you said, no, 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 Ellis, Ellis, Ellis will get to you now, mate. We're... Ellis tweeted today uh, 
that Lovren is the worst centre-back he has ever seen at Liverpool Football Club. Elish is a big man, yeah? He's <laughs> is close to 30, right? He, in all the years of supporting Liverpool, he came out with that statement because my man lost a few headers against Harry Kane. Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? And that's what I'm getting at. Like, I just think it's bizarre. I don't get why you're not doing it. Okay, that's fine. It may sound bizarre. Maybe I should have said that out of all the main starters in the last 20 years that I've been watching, he's probably the worst. Bruv, what about Dominic Matteo? What about Phil Bab? What about these men? Like, these men were crap. Like, yeah, they probably were crap, but fam, none of them were getting, <laughs> none of them were getting bum-rushed by Kane. Oh, well, it's Kane, to be fair, so... Huh. You don't do you not bring up the Harry Kane moments. Like, no, no, Harry no, Kane is that. a top three striker. There is yeah, no I, shade. I get, I get think, that. thing you got to realize as well about that game was that Harry Kane not even attempting to drift by Virgil for the entire game. He was wanting to play up against Lover for the entire game, and actually thought Dejan, you know, played the whole thing fairly well. Okay, that's fair. That's that's all right. But what I'm saying to you, yeah, is that for the past five years since he has come to Liverpool, yeah. Has come to Liverpool every single season. There's been two or three games where he's made a cock up. Agreed. And those cock ups have been costly. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. I, I agree with that. So, I, me personally, I don't, I don't pick on players in it. Cause that's not, it's not my thing to do. I just don't pick up. When people are like, oh, Henderson, no, shit, yeah. Henderson. No, I agree I, with that because I actually thought that tweet was a bit of a character for you. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm not really one to say, oh, Henderson, this guy's shit. But fam, when someone consistently just does bullshit, yeah, and the quality, oh, fam, I'm going to start shouting in a minute. You see, when, <laughs> when, he comes in, when he comes into the team, yeah, when he comes into the team, the quality and the level just drops so dramatically. And you can see the difference. You can see what the difference when he came out of the team, him and um, Mignolet came out, and all of a sudden, our defence, we just look so much better. You say that, you say that, I'm going to counter out that point, yeah? So, yeah. when Van Dyke came in, Lovren was playing with him. They to be, listen, this is the way. Wait, wait, wait. Let me yeah. finish. They yeah. seem to be getting quite a few little clean sheets. Like, it went yeah. it went yeah. under the radar. Like, you lot forget this stuff. Like, I'm I'm sick of it, man. Like, you know, it, but you there's know, no fire, objectivity fire, with this conversation. Fire, fire, you know in yourself that Van Dyke was carrying him. But... He was, <laughs> exactly. He, wait, hold on. He was part of the collective to get the clean sheet. So what? We're just gonna single-handedly say one player did it all no, by but, himself. But the mm. thing is, yeah, the thing is, if like let's say, for instance, um, Chris, Christian just said um, Kane was drifting, drifting to to Lovren, yeah. If people consistently say fuck it, target that right hand side because that's their weak part. Yeah. yeah? And you're targeting that right hand set, and you're always giving them a reason to just keep on going there. Just keep just keep on popping it there, bro. Have, have you never thought that could be that could be a reason of Trent fucking leaving his position half the time, never tracking his man, and nah. that doesn't exactly help Lovren, who needs to cover two positions. Do, do we nah, never think that? He doesn't because cover his Matt, own position. Matt, Matt gets caught out as well. Matt gets caught out as well. Like yeah, Matt, Matt does get caught out. Matt usually recovers and does well. Yeah, because he's got Lovren, fucking long legs like a gazelle. Yeah, Lovren, Lovren doesn't, really, <laughs> doesn't, really, doesn't really go over and, and cover and does, does well, man. Listen, I'll give you another little stat, yeah? So last season, he didn't play a lot, right? Yeah. I think, what, in the league, he must have played, what, 12, 13, 14 games? If that, I think he probably played a bit of, what, seven or eight? <laughs> he had clean six clean sheets last season. Right, fair. Like, so if we want to go by percentage, that's like a 60, 70% hit rate on clean sheets. So I don't, I really think, I, I completely get why people don't want him in the team and they feel like a bit nervous when he's playing. I get it. But sometimes you need to be a bit objective. You need to look at the opposition he's facing. Losing the ball to Harry Kane in the air is not a mad thing. Like, yeah, it's... but, but, but you, said he's a, you said he's a Champions League finalist, World Cup finalist. Bruv, I expect him to do better if that's the case, isn't it? So what? So what? He can't lose the ball a few times? No, but, but he was getting eaten, you know. Bro, bro. No, no, no. no you're, listen, are... check the stats. He won the most balls in the air I, in I that game. Checked, I actually checked. So, so, and you saw that, yeah? yeah? I saw that, yeah, yeah. But so so you're a bit shocked, aren't it? No, no, but it doesn't. It doesn't take away anything. Okay, let's say for instance, oh, MK, MK yeah. Dons. And MK talk Dons. to Abdul. Forget this guy, bro. MK <laughs> Dons. Bro, do I care about the Calypso Cup? I don't watch that shit. But still, exactly. I'm just trying to come in with a with a balanced, rational point, which is literally just this. 
I think Lovren is probably our most aggressive defender. Like the way he defends, you see his body, the way he moves. He's very much all about the place, lots of energy about him. Van Dijk is very cool, calm, collected, massive as well. It's very like focused, calm, collected. But Lovren's got a very aggressive defensive style. So when like Harry Kane jumps onto a pitch and he's like, I'm going to target Lovren, that isn't just an easy match for Harry Kane. Because like you said, Lovren is going to try and batter him every single time the ball comes up around him. And that's why he probably wants so many aerial duels because they're trying to focus on him. And then Lovren is really aggressive when he defends. I don't think he's that bad though. Um, I think we have four great centre-back options to choose from compared to most teams. Mm-hmm. But he, is, he, he has shown brain-dead moments throughout the past. And what Liverpool have done over the last few seasons is get rid of those players who are brain-dead. So Lovren does feel like he's up next on the conveyor belt. But for some reason, Klopp loves him. Well, not for some reason. I think he's just got a really good personal connection with him because he's very much the same kind of character as Klopp. But yeah, that's all I've got to say. Yeah, I don't know, man. The sooner we get... To be fair to him, when he does play well, I say he plays well. Because I'm not... Again, I'm not one to say that, all right, if he does do well, yeah, he does well, but he could have done this better. If he plays well, fam, he plays well. That's, that's just... Is it? Don't but get me wrong. Don't, I, I, like I said, I fully get why some people don't rate him. I get it. I completely get it. But I'm not going to have people say shit like that and say, like, he's the worst centre-back they've yeah, ever for, seen. It's no, a load of crap. It's it, not because... It's like two seasons ago. Listen, two seasons ago, people were saying Mustafi was better than Lovren, and everyone was saying the same thing. Like, Bro, they were saying... What, certain like, people it's say, a load of shit. Mustafi so, is not better than Lovren. He never has been, and he never so, will be. OK, but a, a Liverpool fan, a Liverpool fan told me that Matip and Lovren are the same level. Again... Lies. Lies. No, 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 no. I probably think, if you go 17-18, you probably say that Lovren was better than Matip. Yeah, Matty yeah. was never on the pitch because he was always injured. Yeah, and so it's not really performance, is it? It's just that he wasn't there, so we couldn't really have anything to gauge it against. No, yeah, beginning. But yeah, but you seen the you seen the guy play last. You seen the guy play the season before though, and he was he was he lacking. wasn't great in the second season. He's he's only got he was fucking great last at the end of last season, but his second season Matip wasn't great. Don't no, forget no. that. It's only so that, it's, it's only since the turn of the year he's really shown that aggressiveness and that calmness on the ball. Yeah, but he's always had it in him. It's just that the injuries haven't allowed him to play and build up that consistency. Don't forget, we brought Lovren for 20 million to be the leader of our backline. Am I forgetting this? Yeah, he was boss. It was he was good at Southampton. Yeah, because he was playing the Pochettino team, which is very good structurally. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't allow him to do one-on-one defending. So when it's time to do one-on-one defending, people like Balassi. Yeah, we'll touch the ground running because I know they got the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Again, 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 again. Like I'm saying, flashbacks. I fully get why. I fully get why people have a thing against Lovren, but I'm just saying there's a reason why everyone cusses our fan base as being fucking stupid, and it's because of the lack of objectivity sometimes. And no, like, but the, the that's that's every fan base though. Nah, man, nah, nah, nah. We take it to another level. Okay, we so do. I've I've never seen our fan base boo off a player. Off yeah, the I was gonna say. I've never ever seen that in my life. No, yeah. I've I've seen no. Oh, boo off a player. Yeah, I've never seen us boo boo, boo, boo actively off. boo I've off seen a player. Boo off the whole team because it was shit. I get that. That's <laughs> that's fine. You could boo the whole team because it gives everyone. That was like June Hodgson. Hodgson. Pulse, uh, what's his name? Pulse and Koncheski, they they can all get booed. Yeah, I was gonna say, I saw I saw Koncheski Koncheski get some shit mainly because he was shit at his mum's Facebook post. But that and, was... and that and and also he was um the love child of Hoshan. Uh, so yeah. I, I get that, but as a collective, we don't really do that in it. But if you consistently do play shit, you're gonna get a bit. Uh. Yeah, no, no. I I again, like I've told you before, I get it. I'm just saying. <laughs> The complaints from that Spurs game was ridiculous because overall, if you look at the stats, he was the leader in the win, like in terms of winning aerial duels. He was the leader in terms of like possession as well, winning possession back and ball recoveries. So yeah, we kind of need to stop this shit. It's ridiculous. Right, fair enough. Going forward, going forward. If he does make any errors, yeah, bruv, you know it was a stupid tweet. You know, stupid now, all right, man. All right, all right. I'm it's gonna be let's 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 close let's let's close the box on this segment. You definitely owe an apology for that tweet, by the way, because Skirtle's the worst defender that we've had. Skirtle was a stripper. That's a, that's, that's a, a stripper. He gave See, and that's the thing, and that's the thing. Everyone remembers. Gave, listen, Skirtle gave Martial a sky. Yeah, that's fine. Career. But then that was my caveat, and that was my caveat. Everyone keeps on going over that caveat from 
uh, Rogers's season, yeah, and into Klopp's first season, Skirtle was absolutely dog shit. Absolutely dog shit. But when Benitez first brought him in from January 2008 to about, what, 2010, he, he was pretty decent. Yeah, pretty decent that he only played 12 games a season in the league. Yeah, because, no, yeah. no, no, no. He first thing he played fourteen because he came in. January. Oh, okay, two games more. Apologies. Came, he, yeah, oh. but he came in January. How can how many games? Yeah, how many games can you play? In, what, what about second season and third season? Then what yeah, happened? He played nineteen. And he played twenty. Right. Oh, loads play, of games. Playing, playing with the yeah, okay, man. Like, all right, all right. Let's not give you, a, let's not give any more you know attention to Martin's goal <laughs> than he deserves. The fact that he has hair now is more than enough. It's fucking disturbing. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I, I, I do I, I agree with both of you. I think the fact that Lovren's got previous doesn't help himself and some of the way he, he kind of acts with that. But I do agree that we hold that against our players far too much and beat them with the previous stick. That probably didn't make it. It's like, you know what we do, yeah? Whenever we concede a goal, we try and look for who's at fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, like, <laughs> it's mad. Why do we do it? Like, there's because no fam, did, you see, did you see the goal against Genk? What was he doing? Bruv, did you see the uh, goal against Man, Man U? What the fuck was Matip doing? Why don't you talk yeah. about that? Because the run from Rashford oh, was very interesting. good. Interesting. It was very good. I said, oh, the, I said the Rashford goal was good. And I said Matip should have done man, better. Man, get, get to some listeners' questions. Oh, well, Toxicity in a fan base is causing man to <laughs> argue like this, you know? This is crazy. Cop and, fra- cop and fracas is on the ropes. This is what they want to hear, lads. Jesus. Oh, they want, uh, man. This is what they want. Uh, I, will, I will say though, I genuinely do think that if Lovren was at um, Arsenal, he'd be the best centre back. Well, yeah, 100%. it's not hard. I mean, the bar's not <laughs> the, the bar's not high. So I mean, yeah, it's that. Right. Obviously, I know we're on a bit of a tight schedule today, but uh, let's start. Let's start in some of the um, into some of the listener questions. So I feel like this is one we've answered before, but I'm not too sure that this group of people has answered this question. Um, this one is from at Gunnar D underscore. Uh, which player do you think is going to surprise us over the course of this season? So I'll open the floor to this question. Abdul, you can go for that. Oh, you know what? I started thinking about that. I've lit- <sighs> you know what? Genie Wijnaldum, I've got to say, he's on a flex right now. Like, not even like... Like, he's pushing to be like... Like levels of Tony Cruz reputation was like a few seasons ago. Like that's how good he's playing for like both Netherlands and Liverpool. And I don't. I think this season, Abdul. No, nah, this season. I'm not talking about like. I'm just saying like, where he has in where he is in his career right now. Like he is just such a boss right now, and people are sleeping on it. Like, I know he disappears in games, and people think he's invisible. But I think by the end of this season, people are going to be talking about him reputation-wise. They're going to be putting him up with some big midfielders. Like who? Like who? Come on. Like, well, if we're going to compare in the Premier League, I reckon they'll be talking about him alongside De Bruyne. Not oh for like... <laughs> no, stop, 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 stop. No, Whoa! Stop, 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 Not because of like his wits or his assists or the stats or anything like that. But like when, when people say at the end of the season, the best midfielders in the Premier League, they're going to say KDB. And then they're going to say Genie Wijnaldum, not far down the list. Yeah, go for it. You, you wanted me on this podcast, now you've got me. What? What? What is, what is happening here? Oh, that is, a, that is a wild shout. Somebody did this. What? <laughs> oh, my God. What do you mean? Nah, Genie Wijnaldum, big man. I can see it in him. Abdul, stop repeating yourself. Well. What are you repeating yourself for? Genie Wijnaldum, top midfielder <laughs> in the Premier League, 2019-20. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh my God, this is unreal content. Hey, I'm, is... I'm actually crying. Wow. <laughs> I rest my case. You know what's mad? I was um, on a Touchline podcast with Abdul last year and he came out and he was like, Matip is a better centre back than Van Dijk, and I wanted to punch him in the face. I was like, "What? What are you saying?" But, <laughs> I think it was Gomez. It was Gomez, I think. Was it Gomez? Yeah, you but said. Like, yeah, you Gomez said Gomez was. Nah, now nah, you said one of them is the best. Like you said, either Matip is the best centre back, or you said Gomez. It was either Gomez or Matip, and I was like, "What the fuck are you saying?" But this is a new level. Wow. The views of Abdul are shared by Abdul alone. <laughs> 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 of the wow. 
But is, is there any other player in the squad who you really think is going to surprise you at this point? Like, we kind of know everything about everyone. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with, I wouldn't say surprise, but it may surprise some. I'm going to go with Ox. I think you're yeah. going to see a lot from him in the second half of the season. I don't, th- I don't think people really know what to expect from him this season. They don't really know where he fits into the team. But I think in the second half of the season, he's really going to bed in and um, club is going to use him a lot more. And he's going to win us some clutch um, clutch points. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, Box, isn't it? Because he still feels like he's a bit of an unknown quantity ever since he's come back from the injury. But, I mean, that display against Genk the other night was just was fantastic. I mean, both goals, fantastic finishes. The second one was just oh, out of this world. Um, it looked good. He looked, you know, it looked like he got his pace back you know he's always looked like he's been a bit of a, a strong lad strong as an ox ha 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 um, <laughs> um don't do that again no nah, i'm never i, I won't be doing that one again but uh but no man i, I actually i i agree with you there Fai. i think he's gonna be kind of the the um the unknown quantity there so um but yeah l who's yours uh mine was actually gonna be ox as well I was gonna because uh, like you said i think all the reasons you stated um i'll just i was gonna echo them but really um, before he left, he did look like a, I don't know what word would I use. He, look, he looked a bit gigantic in the midfield, man. He's just running it, yeah. especially against City in the quarterfinal of the Champions League at home. You can see that like, he was really on it. City couldn't really live with his pace and his power from midfield. So yeah, I'm looking forward to see what he's going to do this season. Um, I was really excited by that Genk performance because I like midfielders who score goals. No, so, um, completely agree. You know I mean, it's like him getting two goals. From midfield, uh, yeah, Ox really. Gonna try and quick fire these ones because we've got about five minutes left. Um, next one is from Favela Firmino. Um, do you think adding Kater? Actually, good follow on from this, uh, from what we just discussed. Do you think adding Kater or Ox to the midfield would affect the fullbacks' creativity? Yes. No. You think? Yeah. I, I don't think it should. In an ideal world, it shouldn't. But yeah, it might. I think it will. Um, and the reason I personally think it will is because Keita will keep the ball a lot more and look forward when he comes to like spraying it about. He's not going to like so with the usual trio, their their kind of job is to spray it from left to right, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With Keita, it's a bit different. He he's about breaking defenses down, breaking teams down, breaking midfields down. So I don't think the fullbacks would see as much of the ball as they usually do. So that's how I think it will affect them a little bit um, because his first point of call won't be to spread it across to the left or the right. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. He'll have a bit more... Well, I think the good thing about one of them being in the, uh, in the, in the midfield is that they're going to drive forward and obviously the wing, the, the wing backs will consistently drive forward as well. So it adds more of an outlet ball um, and gets more people in the box, which is something I think, I think we do lack, that last runner in the box, is, yeah. which is one of the main things. Um, I think... I think the fullbacks will get the balls in better positions to cross. So, like Fahey was saying, that um, in regards to the, the way we play, I think with them two in the team, it allows the fullbacks to bomb on a bit forward because they know they can get an incisive pass and they get a pass, let's say, over the top. So, let's say Ox gets the ball on the right-hand side. Um, instead of going straight to Trent, I think he's going to drive forward, dribble past a couple players, then look for Trent. And by then, Trent will probably be on the edge of the 18-yard box and he's able to deliver a bit, a bit quicker from there, and it'll be a bit dangerous. Same as um, Keita on the other side. If you look at the goal against uh, United, where Robertson was able to get the ball closer to the to the byline mm-hmm. and deliver uh, deliver dangerous cross. So I think they'll be able to deliver dangerous crosses closer to the byline and closer to the to the box, in, in rather than far far out deep where Trent is always crossing from. In my yeah. opinion. Anyway. No, I think that's a good point. I think if they if it gives the fullbacks less room to well, it gives the fullbacks more kind of shadow runs to make instead of obviously more runs with them on the ball, which is good. Mm. Where obviously they get closed down more and don't have as much space. Sorry, Abdul, I did interrupt you there. No, no, we were just going to finish off. But yeah, I was going to say, um, literally, great, great points from both Alice and Fahi. Like so many of our attacks, when you watch the way that we structure our attacks, they're just restricted to the channels because the players on the inside don't want to lose the ball. On, in the middle, because if you lose the ball in the middle, it's easier for the opposition to counter on you because there's less space. Well, more space, sorry. So we like to lose the balls out wide so that if they try and counter, 
the team can kind of just squeeze over from the other side and we can close the space that way. Um, and it's really frustrating for our attacks because a lot of our attacks just end up being like Firmino, Mane and like Robertson just playing the ball between themselves for like ages in one corner before somebody tries to get across him. But if we change it about, have Naby and Ox in there and they work the space more and then they give it to them so that they can just have the final ball in, like the goal for Lallana against Man United, I think that will improve our attack um, and just make us a lot more unpredictable. So I hope it does. No, um, I completely agree. Um, okay, last question. Um, uh, this one is from KeatJ5. Uh, what impact do you think playing a potential 9-10 games in December will have on the latter part of the season? Do you think that will make us struggle in January like we kind of normally do? Or will it actually make us stronger? Um, are we playing 9-10 games, really? I think, it's, I think it is something like that. I mean, so it's obviously how many games do you play in the league plus so I w- yeah, two true. games. Plus going to Qatar. Yeah. So I think with the Qatar games, um, obviously we're going to be flying out there, but I don't think the main team will be playing the first game. Obviously, mm-hmm. if we get to the final, then they'll play that. Um, in terms of the Christmas schedule for the league, we've actually been blessed by the Premier League gods. So we actually have the most rest period. Um, so yeah, in that sense... I think it's not. It's obviously not great having nine games, nine to ten games in a month, but we can make the most of it because two of those games aren't exactly extremely important, if you get what I mean. Um, and also, with the Champions League games, like the last two games, hopefully we can get qualified by game five. So game six, we can kind of play like yeah. Origi up front and yeah. all, the, all them lot. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be as bad as everyone thinks and we do have a good rest period. No, that's a really good point. I think the the whole Qatar thing as well, uh, he'll treat that like a slightly mini pre-season. Uh, bit of a exactly. bond, bond experience yeah. as well. Yeah, obviously, he's big on yeah. that. Hopefully, they don't go to fucking, where is it they normally go? Is it Dubai or Marbella where they get absolutely sick as dogs? Um, so, it's Dubai, isn't it? It's always Dubai. It's always Dubai, yeah. man. They're doing filthy activities in Dubai. Uh, yeah. <laughs> too much shisha, isn't it? Too much. It's got to be man. Too much coals. Um, El, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think, man? Do you echo what Fahi said? Um, yeah, yeah, I do, man. I think I think usually we do struggle in January because one the rotation and the rest periods. It's not we're not really blessed with that. But if we're blessed with a good rest periods, this season we should be okay um i think the squad's a bit bigger so rotation will be key yeah um if we can use the world championship or world club cup as rehabilitation that'll be good because the weather will be all right a bit of warm weather training come back in january and take it from there but i think i don't know if i don't know usually towards the end of the season we get stronger we always get stronger like after after that like, March. Around March we start playing well again. Yeah. It's just from January to that like, Feb for like end of December to about Feb we t- kinda of tail off. I think this is a, a, a like a weird season as well. So obviously we got that is it a week or two weeks? Oh yeah, you've got a week. Yeah. A week off in February as well. So that 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 kind of that, that post winter break. And I think the thing that we'll, we've never really had this before where we've had that game in hand. Um, obviously the West Ham game obviously West Ham not an easy team to play against this season Um, but having that game in hand will be slightly crucial going down the line depending on if we are X amount of points clear yeah exactly if we beat City and we continue to win and go go into uh, to the bye with that game in hand with like let's say nine points or nine points ahead or what have you by then I think we'll be in a good position be in a good position no, good stuff. Abdul? I have no idea about the fixture list, to be honest. I don't know what's happening. So I, <laughs> I don't feel like I have that much of an opinion. But yeah, let's take every match as it comes, as Cox says. Hopefully it all works out. No, I like that. That's a, that's a good answer. I like that. That's a good way to sign off as well. Um, I hope everyone's enjoyed the pod this week. Um, as usual, be sure to at us at, at CopMFracas on Twitter. Uh, of course, stay part of the wider conversation of the Touchline Fracas Network by using the hashtag Touchline Fracas. Uh, on behalf of myself and the boys today, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.
Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sports Social Podcast Network.